0: What London Can Be is brought to you by London Community Foundation, an organization dedicated to improving communities across London and Middlesex County. Welcome to What London Can Be, the podcast where we navigate our shifting world, shine a light on the issues our city is facing, and explore the innovative made in London solutions to critical challenges in our community. I'm Diane Silva, Director of Philanthropy at Lennon Community Foundation. Today I'm joined by Grants Committee member and longtime LCF supporter Clint Wilson and our President and CEO Martha Powell to discuss the importance of legacy and unrestricted giving. Hi Martha. Hi Clint. How are you today? Good,
1: thanks Diane. How are you?
0: Great. Hi Diane. Hi, good to see you both. I'm going to start with Martha. Martha, Many of our listeners know you as the president and CEO of Lenin Community Foundation, and, um, but I'm sure our audience would be interested in hearing about your journey and what led you to LCF.
1: Um, Diane, I've always been um, since the inception of my career. I've worked in the nonprofit sector, um, but I worked up until I came to London Community Foundation. I worked primarily in the healthcare or academic sector, and I really, really wanted to be part of the community and learn more about my community. And when you're in a the healthcare sector or academia, it's hard to learn. At least it was back then it's hard to learn about your community the grassroots what makes a community thrive and i really wanted to understand that and learn from that and grow from that so i think that's really what led me to London community foundation
0: that's wonderful and i know a lot all of our fund holders know you and have seen you know you around for so long and and truly appreciate your leadership to the foundation so great to have you here Now, Clint, before I introduce you to the world, I do have to give credit uh, to Jennifer Cahill from the United Way who connected us, and I'm super excited to have you here. So thank you, Clint. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got involved with LCF? I know I kind of did a little bit of a spoiler there, but (laughs) um, if you could share your journey and the ways you work with LCF.
2: Okay, sure. Uh, And thanks, by the way, for um, having me on. Uh, Big fan of your show. As you know, I try never to miss a podcast. Uh, And a big fan, too, of you and Martha, personally. So thank you both. This is very exciting. Um, And it's a great time for me to reflect a little bit on on this topic, because uh, this July, I will have lived in London for 30 years. So even though um, I, I was born in the US, grew up uh, American, I do feel more Canadian every day, I have to say, uh, hey. and, um, uh But of course, 30 years ago, uh, when I came to London, I didn't know a soul, uh, I didn't know much about London or Canada like most Americans and um, so I needed to I needed a way to get involved to learn about the community. Um, as you know Diane I, I love uh, tennis and I love music singing so I, I used those two hobbies or you know as ways to meet people and then uh, someone introduced me to people at the United Way in uh, the early 90s. And I started to volunteer at places like uh, Limberlost and uh, Luso. Uh, ended up staying at Luso for a few years and being on their board. and and then volunteering turned into uh, wanting to be a donor and, and give to, some of these organizations and initiatives that I was seeing, you know, the United Way do. Um, and around the same time, my father very kindly uh, started a fund for each of his children, uh, which uh, it's funny, I, of course I didn't think about it in these terms um, at the time, but since I know we're going to talk about restricted versus unrestricted, it was restricted to me in the sense that I couldn't just take the money and go blow it at the mall. But it was unrestricted in the sense that I was uh, I could give it to any charity that I wanted to or that I felt was, you know, deserving. Um and that sort of got me started at the United Way. In fact, that led to the United Way fund that I have still at uh, LCF. Um, and it's funny, you know, for years, I didn't even know that that fund was at LCF. I just thought, I just told United Way I wanted something like this, and they set it up. Um And that went on for a long time. I learned more and more through um, uh, many kind people, many knowledgeable and hardworking people that I met at United Way. And then fast forward um, 20 years, maybe to 2014 or 15. I can't remember. The fateful day when I darkened your door. Um, And... You know, the reason for that was that at that point in my life, I, I felt like I was in a position to begin um, investing my, some of my own money in the community and into some of these initiatives. And I was looking for an organization that was maybe a little bigger, uh, a little broader, maybe had a little more scope, uh, a little more vision You know, nothing against, I still love the United Way and have nothing but respect for them, but there there are certain things that they do and certain things that they don't, right? So that brought me to London Community Foundation, where, um, you know, many exciting car rides later uh, and uh, whirlwind trips around town, um, you know, here we are.
0: Totally. And I'll never forget that day, the day that you darkened (laughs) Uh, uh, me and LCF. That was awesome. Um, You you did. I loved our meetings and I loved the fact that, uh, you know, at first when you sat down with us or with me, um, you wanted to structure something similar to what your dad had set up for you. And um, and we talked about that. And now this is kind of sagging way to legacy, because at first it was this concept of um, you, you just wanted to spend it down over a period of years. And but then we had this conversation about a lasting legacy. And so what motivated you to then convert to that way of thinking, um, you know, and, and, and do this and build this over time?
2: I guess uh, what's motivated me is partly, um, it's become um, a labor of love, I guess you could say. It's been a, a just a, a wonderful sort of philanthropic journey and almost a second to, or really first career for me. Um, and I felt that um, for one thing, in terms of legacy, um, I, I what I like about LCF and what I wanted to do at LCF was give um, give now and create a vehicle that would give in the future. Um, because I, from doing this for many years, I could see that there's there's so much need now. So to just wait to just say, well, I'll just wait, and I'll I'll put this in my will, and I'll give money after I die. I I respect people who, who want to do that, but I for me I, I just found that this has become a part of my life that uh, where I I get a certain satisfaction and uh, pride out of obviously um, trying to help people now and and see the change um, that that can bring. Um, and then uh, build on that, and learn from from those kinds of gifts and other gifts people uh, that that I'm seeing other people make at LCF. Um, so um, I think legacy is uh, you know you can do both, and and but certainly if I had to wait until I was I felt like yes I'm in a position to do both um, and and I think I am now, and, I, and I'm and i excited to see what that can bring.
0: Great, thank you. And yes, uh, Clint, to your point, legacy giving can be such a powerful, powerful tool because um, like you said, and, and you are part of our grants committee, you've seen the power of those gifts, those transformational gifts that have happened over time and the impact that it has on our community. Now I'm gonna switch over to Martha. Uh, Martha, can you tell us what it means to leave a charitable legacy and why it's so important?
1: I can, but I I first want to commend Clint's father for doing what he did because you he has set you on a journey of learning um, about what you can do that isn't about going to the mall, and I I congratulate him for doing that with you. And and I I hope your siblings are doing the same thing. Um, So I'm gonna tell you a story. Um, I worked with the donor for years and years and years and helped him do his charitable giving. And he was very thoughtful in how he did it, but there were a set number of agencies that he wanted to make sure that he was supporting and that he would support after he passed away. And I remember going to his house because when he knew he was not going to survive much longer, I went to his home and he had piles all around his living room and dining room, stacks of paper of the charities that he had supported over the years. And he he had lived his legacy through his lifetime, but he wanted me to come and help him make sure that those charities were supported in good standing, you know, all of the making sure that we did the due diligence after he passed away. And he was concerned about how could he do that with, and and we ended up, thinking, well, let's do a percent, you know, this is what you basically done over the years. Those charities to this day, and that was a good 15 years ago, those charities, some of them to this day still say, I remember him and I remember, that he put us in his legacy, and that's what legacy is about. And uh, you know, I remember showing an illustration to him, the donor, about endowment giving, and that the amount of money that he gave when he, you know, was first starting his endowment with us, the amount of money as a result that he'd given away far exceeded what he'd invested with us, and that amazed him. To, to think that way and to know that that was still going to go on as long as forever so that to me is the is the power of legacy giving is it's it you know people talk about major gift fundraising and i always think of your major gift is the last gift you probably give because it's the one if of any major gift you give you put a lot of thought into it but your ultimate gift is probably your most major gift you'll give in your lifetime. And
0: can you, I want to go further with this. So sticking with Martha, can you give a couple examples of uh, fund holders through their uh, legacy giving that have had a real impact on LCF's ability uh, to, to do this work in the community? And it's actually transformed the way LCF has operated
1: what comes to mind, very top of mind is Lorraine Ivy Shuttleworth, who had her own foundation. um, She'd given to through London Community Foundation, but she had her own private foundation. And when she dissolved her foundation, she moved the bulk of it to us. And it was a large part of our unrestricted giving pot. And she understood the importance of unrestricted giving that you know, we know what the priorities are, and we were researching those priorities. We know where we can have the biggest impact. But here was a a large, large endowment fund um, giving the bulk of our unrestricted money. So I went to her and asked her if she would consider converting that fund to an operating endowment fund for London Community Foundation, because she if anyone would know it it costs money to run a foundation, you can't, uh, you know, live on fumes and guarantee um, volunteers. And she did that. And we, we when I approached her about this, I said, we will do what we can to match that endowment fund that operating endowment fund, and it is now um we're the envy of a lot of community foundations in Canada because we have an operating endowment fund that supports a, a very very generous part of our operating endowment and keeps us well within our um you know operating standards and allows us to put more money directly into the community so to me that was that, that's an, another example of an ultimate gift.
0: Could you also share a little bit more about LCF's community fund? How, through the power of donors supporting this fund, which is an unrestricted fund that supports charities in, in the community, um, what has been the impact of people giving that way to the community fund?
1: Sure, Um, And I'm going to hearken back to... Um, the last, I don't wanna call that we're in a recession now, but back to 2008, when the markets really went sour, we were in a position of not having a lot of money to give to charities in the community because market returns were so bad. But during that time, we revamped our grant program to be a high impact. And at the time we were using the word game changing, but a strategic high impact grant program that would allow our grants committee to use unrestricted money that donors have entrusted us with saying, we trust you grants committee, you know, the community better than I do myself. And I can pool my assets in an unrestricted fund with my name still attached to it. But I can pool my assets and know that the grants committee is going to be enabled to make higher impact. Um, grants that are going to cause sustainability that are going to cause um, Growth and future, um, uh, I go back, sustainability is still the right word for charities that might not have got there sometimes we will even offer a charity if we see them coming to us with a business program that sounds really good but it's not quite there they need a few more answers to some strategic questions and more a few more building blocks put in we will support them for a period of time to actually get that plan into the right shape so that it's worth giving a grant to so unrestricted giving gives us the most power that we can give Um, we used to years ago call our grants band-aid grants because they were small little grants to a whole lot of charities and we now for this year we're going to be announcing shortly we're giving five grants out of our unrestricted funds but they're substantial growth oriented grants so uh, the unrestricted is a tremendous opportunity uh, for giving.
0: Wonderful. Thank I, you for sharing that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Diane.
2: Yeah, Martha has said so many things that I want to, you know, amplify or, or add to for one thing. Um, I commend LCA for, yeah, making that change to the grants, uh, stream or program because I've, I've been on the committee for the last five years and it's such a, um, it's such a great process. You know, it's such a, and and I I think when it, for one thing, you know, I can can say for people, for donors or other people in the community who might be wondering about, you know, um, how much trust can they put into LCF? um, I've seen things, you know, working. I've seen, this is a months long Process every year with a lot of vetting, a lot of a lot of research, a lot of eyes, and a lot of diverse eyes and opinions, uh, looking at these things and and picking the best proposals. And there are some wonderful ones um, every year. And it's a thrill for me to see that because it gives me ideas then as a donor. Too. If I see something go through the grants process and either, you know, maybe it gets funded, but it doesn't get as much as maybe they wanted, or maybe it doesn't get funded. And, but I like it, you know, as a donor. And then I meet with you, Diane, and I say, hey, could, you know, could I give, could I help out this agency or this initiative in some way? Um, And the other thing I wanted to say was just the, yes, the, the importance of the community fund and the unrestricted nature of that fund is so evident during the grants process when you know every year there are far more proposals than we can possibly fund and it and it ends up we come down to a meeting where we we don't have enough money and we have a lot of you know worthy proposals and what do we do and and We do the best we can, but sometimes there are, if there are funds that are earmarked, let's say for medical research only, and we don't have any proposals that year that fit that criteria, we can't use that money. And, you know, when you're you're in a position where you you really want to use every possible dollar, um, that's heartbreaking. So um, on the other hand, uh, I think in recent years, we've gotten some some new funding from from donors, let's say that is uh, where they want to support anything that helps women, or let's say, or youth, or something something that's a little bit broader, um, that's easier to use, that's easier to apply. So, but of course, the easiest thing of all is when people just give money and say, I want this to go into the community fund, you do whatever you want. Um, And never was that more important than during COVID, I would think where who could have predicted um, the needs uh, during COVID, the types of needs, the new emerging needs. And, you know, I don't think too many people 20 years ago or 10 years ago, said in their will, I want to leave my money to COVID, because nobody knew what that was.
0: You know, Clint, I'm so glad you went there. Um, You're right. With the pandemic, what we've learned so much from that is that whole trust-based type of giving, because here was a situation that was so out of our control and out of our norms, And here we saw agencies having to adapt and pivot to the situations that as they were playing, um, us as a foundation and working with our fund holders, we were encouraging unrestricted giving to the agencies that they were giving to. Because why allocate uh, those dollars to something so narrow and specific when it could be irrelevant to the time today, right? So that is the power. And I'm so glad you went there. Now, where I want to go... Uh, Clint and I have to clarify to our listeners: No, it wasn't a dark day when I met Clint. And in fact, you brightened <laughs> uh, my days going forward at LCF. Like um, you, you. Uh, what I love about working with you and and the fund holders that are like you is the ones that you fully throw yourself in. And um, you have your donor advice fund with us, um, and, and I know you're in the driver's seat with that, but you bring that lens from your learnings of the grants committee, and you also do a lot of engagement with us where you learn with what is going on out there, right? What, where are the needs and what resonates with you? So I want to go back to Clint, the beginning, uh, you know, where you started your donor advice fund and where you've gone now um, you know, are you doing, I want you to share your perspective with the unrestricted giving and what you do with your flow through giving. If you could shed, uh, share this with the audience today.
2: Okay. So, um, I guess I want to speak a little bit to, yeah, to, to trust, um, because that is so important and, and I can see there's a, there's a connection between trust and, unrestricted giving, because uh, the more comfortable you feel as a donor, uh, I think the fewer strings you're going to put on things, right? And it's because I have felt so comfortable with uh, people like you, uh, Lori, uh, Vijay, uh, Martha, um, and, and so many other people that I've met over the years who are making a sincere effort to better our community and help those who need it. Um, so I, uh, that's why I, in, in my donor advised capacity, I'm, I have no problem um, as, as you and I have done, Diane, uh, giving money, let's say to Arcade, uh, because I know Sarah, uh, Campbell at Arcade. And I know that n- not only do I know her, but I know that she knows who she's helping way better than I do. Right. And that's so important. I'm not an expert in any of these areas, you know, I, whether it's a, about indigenous people or BIPOC, the BIPOC community or the homelessness or uh, food security but I know who to talk to. I know who to listen to. Um, and, and a lot of those people are either at LCF or they work with LCF. So Arcade is a wonderful example. Um, uh, what's another one? Uh, the London Chaplaincy. I know we've we visited there. We've, I've given money to them. Um, and then other places the that I'd never heard of that you introduced me to like the kids country club um where I had no idea that some uh an, or, an organization like that existed and and why um and and what are they doing and it's so great to um to discover places like that and, and you know because there are needs that in my, you know, narrow world and and privileged life, I don't even think about, um, you know, or I don't even realize is is a need for somebody or a a vulnerability. Um, So uh, that's what's been great for me. And it's, I think, I think what I wanted to say too, is it's this whole cycle and I'm sure Martha, would agree is when it when it works right when when people come to lcf LCF and they're they've opened their eyes and they they get it and they're ready to help um, it's a win for everyone you know to me it's a win for me uh, because i think it's uh, i i feel like i'm i grow personally every time you know i go through something like this It's a win for LCF because it's, the foundation gets stronger and stronger. And it's a big win, I hope, for the people that we're giving money to and the programs that we're supporting or sustaining as Martha said. Um, And that's just fantastic, you know, and that I, I, I hope that people understand that that can be a virtuous cycle, you know, where the money goes from me to you guys to someone who gets some kind of a benefit or a, a, a start or a hand up or uh just makes them um give them hope and then they might write a letter back to you which you send to me you know and which i appreciate and you know i vainly you know enjoy for a moment <laughs> and then i i'm excited to do it again um mm-hmm. And um, that's you know that's a wonderful thing. That's I'm thrilled by that, and I and I that's part of the potential that I see um, from unrestricted giving. Um, because let's face it, if you if you're going to give anyway, um, who are you giving for? Is it for you? I don't think so. Not really, right? Most donors when they're ready to give, you know, sums of money, it's not for them. They're trying to help. So let's help. You know, don't don't give with one hand and take it back with the other by saying, you know, I'm 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 going to give this money to Arcade, but it's only going to be for so they can buy beach towels, you know. It has to be for beach towels. You know, I mean
1: <laughs> that's
2: that's not helpful. They might enjoy that. Maybe they'd all go and have a nice day at the beach, but there, I'm sure Sarah would say there are other things that we could do with that money. And if you give us the trust and the freedom and the respect to make those calls, um, it will, it will empower us. And I think we all can be empowered by that.
0: Yeah, you're you're nailing it perfectly because um really what you're getting at is that power bou- power dynamic between the donor and the charities. And um, I know that you Clint I've I've seen you in play. You will challenge me sometimes with some of the things that we we may present to you, but I love the fact that you're open to these conversations and um and then you're like, okay, now I get, I get it, I get it. And then you have that trust now in empowering these agencies to do the work that they do with no strings attached, right? So that's the magic and the power of philanthropy. And, um, and I see you do that so well and a lot of our fund holders. So I, I'm glad you went there because that is something that um, we need to get to across the sector, right? Right. So, Clint, is there anything else that you can share from your experience being a grants committee member? Uh, what else have you learned from that experience that you feel the general public should know?
2: <sighs> Let me see. I guess um, what I valued most about the grants committee um the people um the, it, the the people around the table are increasingly diverse and that's really important um because we want to help um a really diverse you know population whether it's refugees or uh muslims affected by racism in london or uh, indigenous, uh, people grappling still with, uh, the residential school, um, these terrible, you know, discoveries and revelations. And, um, and I, 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 I try, you know, obviously to, to understand or put myself in, in a position, um, of of all of these things, but it's it's far easier and it's far better when I can hear it from an indigenous person themselves or a black person on the committee uh, speaking about LGBTQ rights or issues, um, and I, I think so. I think that's that's been a, a great. Um, an increasingly um, welcome a feature of the Grants Committee. And then the, um, the proposals, I guess. I, I did wanna say, um, and Martha spoke to some of the ones that are coming up this year, my favorites, and I, um, I think it was a year or two ago, uh, we had a proposal that combined, um, I think it was an LGBTQ organization that wanted to do, make some kind of garden or, you know, garden kit or food kit. I can't remember. Um, Remind me Martha or Diane, if you remember. And it also involved working with indigenous uh, people. And it was just such a great combination of um, initiatives and organizations and and people. And um, I, as a donor, I don't have the, I'm not innovative enough to think of something like that. But once in a while we'll see that on the committee and it's wonderful. And we got something like that this year too, involving um, employment skills, um, tiny homes and the indigenous. Uh, again, and, and I, I think those, those sorts of um, proposals are so exciting when we can get behind those things. And I guess I just want to say for donors, um, big or small, um, you know, one of the greatest things about LCF is that you can contribute to that um, just by giving to the community uh, fund. And you know, I don't. I don't have enough money to solve the housing, affordable housing um, problems in London. But I can contribute to something at LCF that will something like the the Soho um, initiative that's underway. So those things are are tremendously exciting, and and I think London can be very, be very proud uh of of that kind of work
0: thank you now well, Martha. Said, Clint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i i agree with you now martha i'm going to turn it over to you um and it's my last question to you both what do you think london can be and how can we get there together
1: I think um, I was talking to someone earlier today, and I think London has gone through with the rest of the world included have gone through something we never anticipated. And I think we're coming out the other side with a new reality. And I think that it's going to take for London to really survive and and Thrive as a collaborative community. It's going to take everyone starting to think together and work together better. Um, you know, what is a new London? It's not going to be the London that was two and a half, three years ago. It's a London that I think is going to be a more thoughtful, sensitive, caring, um, community, but we need to do it together. We need to be kind. We need to be generous. We need to generous in every sort of way um, to work together and welcome all the diversity in our community and embrace it and make it part of our community.
0: Nice, thank you. And Clint?
2: I couldn't agree more with that uh, sentiment and with the idea that um, we, what I want London to be is more inclusive and more uh, equal. Um, and, but how do we get there? Um, that's, that's the hard part. It, it is challenging. It's, you know, you, Diane and I and Martha might all agree or largely agree on the needs and and what to do but unfortunately I was I was just talking with someone I didn't know whether to share this or not Um, I talked to someone very recently who said to me um, you know I I think we've done enough for the indigenous and you know I why why do we have this pride month I that's isn't that going too far and I was Stunned and and I won't say what I said to them because this is a family show and uh
0: <laughs> where that's the dark side of Clint. <laughs> there, yeah, that that is the but dark I love side, it. but
2: but that's the thing. I mean, unfortunately, that's the dark side of London too, uh, mm-hmm. is that not uh, not everybody does get it, not everybody sees a need. Um and so it it starts with Education, and I know that people who work in in social service probably <laughs> feel like, well, this is we do this every day. When are people going to get it? But unfortunately, um, some people still have problems looking outside of themselves, um, outside of their sort of insulated world, and and seeing that. You know, uh, not everybody has air conditioning, not everybody has a shower, not everybody has a home um, and and not everybody is treated uh, with respect and uh, fairness. Um, so, as donors and just as members of this community, um, I think it starts by by Having a willingness to learn, a willingness to listen. Um, because if, if we can open our eyes and, and maybe some some of the eyes of our friends or our colleagues or our neighbors to what's going on. And just so that they'll ask the question, you know, why why do we have um, people asking for money on us all the time or, or drug needles on the, on the ground. Um, and what can we do for those people and those situations that rather than judge them or wish them away, um, can we, can we lend a hand, um, and can we open our, because I, I think once you open your eyes, then you open up your heart, and then you open up your wallet. And uh, I know it's not just about uh, money, but uh, I was thinking about something, Diane, that, um, that uh, just to get back to power for a minute, Yeah. yeah. Um, I looked up the definition of equity, Um, because I mean, as you know, I follow the stock market every day. So I usually think about equity as being stock or money, but the other definition of equity is fairness and uh, an equal chance. And it struck me that LCF takes one and creates the other, right? It brings the two definitions of equity uh, together in in a way. And I love that. I mean, uh, um, if that's what I want to see, and that's the power dynamic, that's the power transfer. I mean, I didn't didn't used to think about this in terms of power, really. Um, And so this is another area where you've, Open my eyes, Diane. Right, but uh, but you know, as donors, if when we give, we're transferring some of our power, and and in many cases, we have plenty, right, and we can give a little up, and that's okay, uh, and and other people can have a little more, and 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 have some hope and some uh, of a better tomorrow, a better future. For themselves and their families, uh, and their um, uh, their aspirations can can grow and and take some sort of shape. So I'm I'm all for that. Um, I hope that what London can be is uh, a city that embraces some of that. Um, until the the will to change and the will to be better is greater than the need yeah wouldn't that's that our, be
0: nice that's our dream exactly right? and our yeah. hope absolutely yeah. beautifully said clint thank you and thank you martha so much for the two of you for being on this show today I think it was important to share this perspective of giving, about unrestricted giving and legacy giving, and I appreciate your time in sharing such meaningful, heartfelt stories and your experiences with this. Thank you for being on the show.
2: Thank you, Diane. This was great.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of What Lenin Can Be. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about today's guest, visit us at lcf.on.ca forward slash what can be. If you like this podcast, tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find links on our website. Thank you again for listening to us.